0: attorney, a mortgage broker, and a real estate agent walk into a bar. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and today, my special guest, by way of University of Miami Law School, by way of University of Arizona undergrad, Orlando resident, Florida bar certified attorney, Joe Sternberg. Joe, thank you for being a guest on the Loan Officer Podcast.
1: Thank you, Dustin. Uh,
0: It's a pleasure to have you in here. You are our first attorney. Yeah, I feel
1: feel honored for that.
0: Yes. We're a little bit scared. Uh, Any other times in my life when I've been sitting this close to an attorney, it wasn't for anything good. There's nothing positive going on, but this is going to be positive because you and I have probably wasted a solid 25 minutes of JC's time today talking about hot yoga, talking about half marathons, learning to swim, partying in South Beach. Um, today, I want to dive into... Why
1: don't we start there with the partying... Partying South in South Beach. Beach? Yeah.
0: We'll come back to that. Because I, I do want the audience to get to know you um, the way that I have gotten to know you over the past few weeks. At the same point, I know you have... Um, the reason why we brought you on, right? Because uh, people who tune into the show are, A, usually renters. If they're not renters, then they're homeowners. And some of those homeowners own investment properties. And I know that um, a certain area that you've been litigating recently or know more about than the average bear happens to be tenant rights, landlord rights, as it pertains to disputes when tenants and landlords had disputes. So if you'll allow us to, I do want to dive in deep into that. But first, before we get into partying in South Beach, why an attorney? Like at what point in your life did you say, you know what? I think I want to be an attorney. Do you come from a a family of attorneys? Is it, was it something that was pressed upon you from an early age?
1: Sure. Well, that's a great question because it's a very common question I get. And frankly, it's funny that this is going to be recorded because you could ask me this tomorrow. Anyone can ask me. It, it really fluctuates because honestly, I'm not really sure, right? Like, okay. it, it wasn't a. I mean, you hear of like some people there, oh, when I was five. I saw someone on TV and I, I just knew I wanted to be that type of person or that profession, right? When I was five, I wanted to be an NBA basketball player. Yeah. So that just wasn't going to pan out. It wasn't in the cards. Um, Being five but, foot eight hurt a little bit because yeah, it, 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 it didn't. Five nine. Five nine? Right. Okay.
0: Because yeah. yeah, it didn't hurt Spud Webb. One bit. That's true. I mean, no,
1: believe me, I, I had I I would play four or five hours a day. Would was, you? I'm like, I very like, serious like about it. That
0: was yeah. your jam. Like that
1: was my jam. Space Jam. I, yeah. was my jam. Okay,
0: and, and I do know you have like a 36 inch vertical. Um, yes, I've seen. I've, I've 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 heard stories of you grabbing rim. Um, so I, I can only imagine what it was like throwing it back to uh, yesteryear and watching you. Uh, I'm sure you have handles, right? You probably play point guard. Mm-hmm. Good, good addition. Good behind the arc.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I was a great shooter. So, okay. Yeah. So I, so I loved it.
0: So yeah. growing up, you were going to be a, a NBA basketball player.
1: Yes. So that was the goal. The next Steve Nash
0: before yeah. he grew long hair. Yeah. Steve Nash before he grew long hair. Okay.
1: Well, I'm also from Tucson, Arizona. And so I grew up around the whole uh, basketball environment. Yeah. Right? The so Arizona Wildcats what, with Lou Dolson.
0: But but wasn't that the Suns? the had uh, an older, heavier Charles Barkley. Didn't they have... Um, no, I guess yeah. Didn't they have Steve Nash? St- John Steve Stockton. Nash. John yes. John Stockton was in uh, Utah, but Steve Nash was with Phoenix, wasn't he?
1: Right. Okay. Right. Him yeah. and Sodomyer.
0: Yeah, they were beasts. Yeah. That's an Orlando kid. St- was he? Yeah, Amari. I think that, that's his first name, right?
1: Amari Sodomyer. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 I'm pretty sure he came from Orlando, but okay. The NBA career didn't work out.
1: Right. So so, so, so
0: you're you're in undergrad. You stayed well, in Arizona.
1: Yeah. Well, let, let's start. Ba- let's go back to it. To, okay. to Growing up in Tucson, right? So in fifth grade, so this is actually, this is the, the funny story. I had this teacher, uh, Mr. Williams, and apparently, um, I feel like I'm a little more refined now, but I would argue with him nonstop. So he gave me a nickname as the lawyer. Okay. Right? And so funny, like, I don't know, maybe 10 years later, once I was somewhat, I was in law school right not, I went back home, I, I ran into him. So it was really, really funny to actually tell him like, hey, you, you were right that I became an attorney, but it wasn't really in the cards for me until undergrad.
0: Okay, right? what, so. what transpired in, in undergrad, a DUI? Right.
1: No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily I haven't had, uh, the one thing I had on my record, which it, w- it wasn't even a criminal charge, was uh, we threw a party at my college house and I, uh, my, my four roommates and I, uh, so the t- four of us total had to get what's called in Tucson like a, a red something, i have forgotten the name of it, like a red tag, I think it is. They put it on your wall or you're outside of your house. And if you have another party within a certain amount of time, then like you can get more and more fines. It's because there's crazy partying around, okay. around the community, um, which I had to report to the Florida Bar. So
0: it's almost like you have to get a permit to have a party. And if you have too many parties within a certain time period, they can fine you.
1: No, this was the warning if someone called the cops on you because okay. you're too loud and rowdy. Okay. Right? And so then you would get this tag, and it was just known. Everyone, it was actually kind of like a, a badge of honor. I feel like too. So we weren't too upset, but by the had Florida it under bar, name.
0: but the Florida bar made you disclose that you have to disclose everything. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, but um, but but you were junior, senior in undergrad, and you made the, the conscious decision that you want to take the LSAT, go to law school, and become an attorney.
1: Yes, yes, and that started because I well, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back, and this is a very personal matter for me. So. When I was in high school, my sister was in a, a really horrific car accident and um, she was on her way to college and uh, she's four years older than me, so she was just turned 19, I was 15, and she's driving um, from Tucson to Colorado to go to veterinarian school and um, she's pulling a U-Haul trailer behind her and on the way, it's a horrific rollover accident and she's ejected from the car, or we're, not, we're not really sure because she happened to be in the back seat she had a few dogs there cause she loved, loved animals, which is a fascinating story as well about the, one of the dogs, how we survived for five weeks wow, in, in the wilderness. But, um, she was in this horrific car accident and she was in the ICU for, for a month. And so my parents went to Albuquerque cause that's where it happened and were basically by her side, you know, trying to r- revive her. And I mean, she, she has a very severe brain injury now. Uh, and still lives. I mean, this was in two thousand three, right? Yeah. So we're talking a long time ago. Um, and we had some family attorneys that, you know, we spoke to rather quickly. And it was it was a very big case. And if you if you want, you can go. I'm sure maybe you can put in the in the notes or whatever. Um, the LA Times did a, did a article about it. Right? Okay. So um, that was my first experience with the law, right? So I, I actually.
0: You're 15 years yeah. old, and yeah. Yeah,
1: so that was, a, that was a major tragedy for our family, which has ramifications till to today. And, I, and so I remember I was deposed in that case. I mean, it was like a 30-minute thing. The, um, which, the by the way, for
0: anyone who's ever sat through a, de- a deposition, they're not fun. I mean, I, I don't know if they teach you guys that in law school. Like, hey, look, you kind of got to be a dick and make the person feel uncomfortable on the other side. But um, yeah, so you had to go through that at 15.
1: Yeah, well, okay. And, and by the and way, any,
0: that might have been my one experience,
1: <laughs> or it could have been that
0: one attorney who was, who was uh, deposing me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but depositions in general aren't that fun to be a part of.
1: Yeah, and and, and so a, a deposition is really just uh, to seek information mm-hmm. from a, a, a person, right? Oh, uh, so maybe I kept enemy. on
0: saying, I don't remember. I can't recall. I don't remember. Maybe that's why... He got a little testy with me. Okay, probably. Okay. Right.
1: Yeah, and I'm not sure what the situation was, but off camera we can talk about it. Okay. If you want. Um, so, but in this situation, as a 16 year old at that time, or however old I was, it was a few, you know a year or so after the accident while we were deep in litigation. Um, well, first of all, I was shielded from a lot of it. Like I, I couldn't know what was going on, mm-hmm. and I still don't know what the settlement was. But ultimately settled. Um, I, you know, as a, I, I witnessed the packing of the of the trailer. Because right, it was a pull, they, they rented one to pull behind. My sister had like a four cruiser, a mm. f- Toyota cruiser, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, four called. runner, four whatever. Four runner, yep. yeah, one of those. And um, what was I going to say about that? So The packing, something with the, the, yeah. the litigation. So, so, I, so I'd seen it, and so he asked me maybe five questions. Again, it was very short because yeah. he doesn't know what I knew, and, and I could be a witness in the case, so of course, yeah, I was deposed. And that's actually what I wrote about when I applied for law school in my personal statement, was that accident, how, I mean, you can and, imagine how that shapes shapes your. And head. you picked
0: the University of Miami. Was that just because you wanted to make sure you went from one hot place to another hot place, or was it something about growing up and the University of Miami dominating the college football scene? I'm just curious why why you went. I mean, it's it's notorious for being a smart kid school. I mean, it is a very good you know academic school.
1: Yeah. So the story and. In, in, I jump around a lot, so I apologize, but I went to study abroad as a junior in college. I was living in Spain okay, because I really, really loved the whole Spanish culture. I wanted to study abroad. I had a cousin that had done it in the past, and I really wanted to travel and really get outside of Tucson because I was basically growing up there. I went to the university there. So while I was abroad, it came to me like, hey, I want to start, I want to, Take this to the next level. I feel like I really conquered. I, I became a fairly fluent in Spanish. Okay. I had traveled to you know 15 countries and I was having a blast. I was you like, were I, there I, for
0: one semester or a whole year. I
1: stayed for a whole year. Good for you. I went you. there initially for a semester, but I loved it so much that I convinced my parents, hey, let me stay for another semester. It, it,
0: anyone tuning in that is the parent of someone who is who is high school age going into college, or they're you know freshmen, sophomores in college, or if you yourself are 18, 19, or 20, study abroad. Study abroad, study abroad, study abroad. I, it's like the one piece of information that I pass along. My wife did it, I did it, you did it. I've, Where'd you go? I was in England and she was in Australia. Ah. And I only went for a semester and I wish I went for a whole year. My wife went for like five months, so not quite a whole year, but a little bit longer than a semester. Mm-hmm. Um, her program was just a little bit unique like that. But uh, yeah, it's, um, it's just an incredible experience. And that's a, a rabbit hole that I'll leave there but uh, yeah, I, I don't want to interrupt. So you were doing a study abroad program. It was supposed to just be a semester. You saw the value, were enjoying yourself, extended it through the whole year. It was there that you discovered, wait a minute, I want to continue to learn how to speak Spanish and I want to go to law school. So University of Miami fits both those categories.
1: Well, I, I didn't know where I was going to go to school, obviously. Okay. Right. Yeah,
0: because you still have to apply and get in and pass right. the LSAT and score well on it, et cetera.
1: Yeah. I went home I started my plans right and I became very studious because at that point I actually was you know fairly average student I, I was doing well I was in the business school at U of A which is called the Eller College of Management and um, so I'd done well enough to get to those stages but I didn't feel that challenged right and then that my best semester was that my final those final two semesters in college because I was very serious like I was trying to and it was easier for me at that point because I had really expanded my mind. I, You know, learned another language, I think, really unleashes. Had you
0: taken Spanish in high school and college?
1: Yeah, I okay. did. And I had a fantastic professor that I, I didn't think I was that great at learning languages. You know, it's like a lot about the whole mindset thing. And it wasn't until this first semester in college that I had a professor that only spoke Spanish. I mean, she was from a South American country. I, I can't recall at this point. I think it was Chile. And she was awesome, and she she taught me, like, I did, and I excelled in that class. So that's what got me the idea of going abroad.
0: Would you still consider yourself fluent in the Spanish language?
1: I still have, yeah, I have clients that only speak Spanish, but I have a translator just because the lingo, right, the, the specific uh, vocabulary, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, I don't want to make any mistakes on that. So, and my legal mind thinks so much in English, so if I need to look something up or, you know, it's important for that I have some of that translates, but I can listen, and I can I can hold a conversation in Spanish. Yeah, 100%. yeah. That
0: that's still at 40, I'll be 42 next week, and that's still um, at the top of like I have like a top three like bucket list items that I need to achieve. It's becoming fluent in Spanish, uh, so I keep on telling my wife, I'm like, look, our daughter is 12 going on 13, in about seven years, maybe we'll be in a spot that we can go and move to Costa Rica for a year or Honduras or Ecuador or somewhere in South, South America where I read I've never been. I heard it's, it's very pretty and it's fairly inexpensive to live. Um, so I could fish mm-hmm. and I could focus on uh, becoming fluente in Espanol. Pero necesito practicar.
1: Si, sí, si, sí, importante um, practicar.
0: Yeah. Uh, so University in Miami, uh, you win, you get in, you obviously have a high enough GPA, you kicked ass your last year, you probably smoked the LSAT. Um, you go down there, you graduate, you Mm -hmm. meet a ton of friends. Mm -hmm. Um, how'd you end up in Orlando? You're in Orlando, Florida now.
1: Yeah. Great story. And just to, to close the loop real quick though, Miami, I was picked because for me, yeah, fantastic location, knew that it was an incredible school and I wanted to do some of that time that was a little bit international and I wanted to also practice my Spanish. So it really just met those, that criteria. That was why I ended up here and I didn't know a soul. And I hadn't even been to Miami. I hadn't even visited. So I accepted the... It's it's a beautiful campus, by the
0: way. I'm assuming... You know I don't know that. Is the law school the same place that the undergrad school is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a beautiful campus.
1: Yeah. And so how do I end up in Orlando, though, to get back to your last question? Um, So my first semester... Uh, I just hit it off with this guy who's now my, my law partner. His name's Parker Landers, and he's from Orlando originally. And okay. so we stayed in touch throughout the years and obviously talked about business all throughout law school. And then eventually, you know, I would come up here in the summers when he was interning at the prosecutor's office, and we just decided, like, let's start a law firm. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, in between did, the years. Did you stuff. start?
0: Yeah, cause, so your undergrads in business. Yeah. Okay, and then obviously law degree, take the bar exam, pass the bar. Um, did you start your own law firm? Because you own your own law firm now, right? You and Parker have your own law firm. Mm-hmm. Is there any other partners or just the two of you? Uh, the two of us. The two of you. What's the name of your law firm?
1: It's Landers and Sternberg. Very easy. Very easy. Yeah. And
0: then L before S, is that kind of... Yeah. Uh, did you flip a coin or you just went, no, we're, we're supposed to go in alphabetical order. So it's Landers and Sternberg.
1: I won't lie, I I like my name more, and I, I did think it should go first, but he did as well, and we actually pulled a few friends like and tried to be unbiased about it, and then I thought because it's L and before S, and like we were starting here, like it, to me it would it didn't matter that much. Okay. You know? So.
0: Paper rock scissors would have been yeah. awesome. Best like five yeah, to seven or four to seven. Point.
1: Right. <laughs> right. Well, there's Greenberg Tarag, right? So there's so like, Sternberg Landers would have sounded great as well. Okay. I mean, it, it, you know, at the end of the day, we could have just gone with a non. No, it names name. I don't know.
0: Did, did you come right out of law school and jump right into your own practice? No. Okay. No.
1: Yeah. So I don't this again, this can be a longer podcast yeah. or not. But I moved around actually a good yeah. amount in between. So I mean, I,
0: I wouldn't almost suggest that I know nothing about running a, okay. a, a, a law firm. I know sure. a little bit about okay. running a business and scaling businesses. But I if I was consulting my 22 year old, or my 24-year-old, which I don't have yet, but I will at one point, um, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? Don't just go right into your own firm. Like, go and see, do you like prosecution? Do you like personal injury? Do you like uh, corporate tax? You know, like, Mm -hmm. get a feel of what you like, and then do you want to climb the corporate ladder, uh, or do you want to have your own practice, your own firm, at which point, what are you going to specialize in?
1: Right. Well, I think the truest practice is that you have your own firm. Right. Um, But there's a lot of advantages to not. I would say, I mean, to be frank, we're, we started in 2018. Okay. Okay. So now we're two and a half years in and I would say maybe three, four or five months ago, it really felt like we have enough tailwind behind, you know, whatever the expression is, we have enough behind us. It's like the snowball going down the mountain. We're like it really is sustaining itself, at yeah. least. Well, that's so. any any new business yeah. is two
0: years. Any yeah. new business is two years. Anyone I've coached or mentored, whether they're solarpreneurs, meaning they're loan officers or realtors, whether they're straight up entrepreneurs who are starting their own, you name you know, you name that business. Whether it's a, a home flipping business, whether it's a food truck, um, yeah, the tailwind. You need two years. Your first year is just figuring it out. Your first year is systems and processes and people. Your second year is like, okay, I have systems and processes and people. Now let's see what we can get moving. It's year three that you sit back and say, oh, okay, I'm actually finally making money. I'm actually less stressed out. I know where my next paycheck's coming from. I would assume starting my own law firm or my own dental practice or my own medical um, uh, family practice would be something similar, unless I bought into a previously existing. Practice at which point, if I did that, I went to the bank and got like a six-figure type loan to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, You guys experienced something very similar then, right? You in in terms of you're you're like we started in 2018. Here we are at the end of 2020, and it was about three months ago that we were like, okay, we're doing this.
1: Right, and it's not like we weren't making money. I'm not saying that. It's just as far as getting up, uh, just facebook page your website going do you have social media as far as instagram linkedin pages and just just the time it takes to think through those things yeah because how run does ads all there's so many questions you don't even know what you don't know yet yeah right
0: yeah how does an attorney find clients
1: that's that's a that's a great question that's the big uh, yeah because
0: let, let let me ask you this what type of law did you practice when you worked for others
1: sure okay my first position in uh in the legal field was at the Broward County Public Defender's Office, so I actually got to be an intern um, with that office, which was a, really opened my eyes to the criminal justice system, right? So I'll always bleed towards the mm-hmm. defense as far as seeing the injustices in the system, and um, which is ironic because Parker worked in the prosecutor's office, which is the opposite. So he's works for the state, and he's yeah. the one representing the people, basically, right? You know, so if you, everyone yeah. knows the. The people versus OJ, right? Yep. Think about the most, you know, the biggest. Yeah,
0: someone screwed up, right. and we, we have put them in jail based on XYZ evidence. The evidence has to now be presented in the the, the courtroom mm-hmm. for a jury, judge, what have you. Uh, Parker is the one saying, this is the evidence that says you're guilty, and the people that you got to work with were those that, that I'm assuming don't come from financial means, maybe aren't very well-traveled, maybe aren't formally educated, and their only option for legal defense is what is gonna be provided to them for free Mm -hmm. by way of the government, the local government. Exactly, Okay.
1: yeah. And that's outside the scope of this, but there's a famous book called, it's something Gideon's, which talks about when we started that process of requiring, uh, defense for uh, defen- uh, defendants in criminal cases because well, it, it wasn't always that way. Well, and I'd guess you it starts. Guaranteed.
0: It starts with the Miranda rights, right? Because if if I was if I was read my Miranda rights, doesn't it, it tell me that um, you know I have the right to an attorney? If if I cannot if if I can't afford an attorney, an attorney will be um, uh, provided on my
1: behalf. Right. That so that was after. Okay. Right? The Miranda rights was it's a whole that's a whole other that was like. That's criminal defense. That's a uh, criminal procedure. That's one-on-one in, in law school. Everyone, every law student, any law students watching this would know. Like, yeah, you study that, that case, Miranda. I think that was actually an Arizona case. So, and it's it's beyond me. I'd have to go read it again. Yeah. Uh, exactly what ha- what the facts were.
0: You took the class. And you studied. You passed the test. Yes, you exactly. Moved on. Exactly. So, no, yeah. there's only so much our our brains there's can only so retain. Mu-
1: well, that's the thing about lawyers. We're we're trained in looking up the law, yeah, and understanding how to, to to craft, you know, to yeah. It's it's
0: almost like you know where to find the answer, and you actually speak that language. Because I, I don't, I don't speak is. that language.
1: I, and I and I'll tell anyone this too, and, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. When I started law school, I didn't even know the difference between plaintiff and defendant. I, I would get them mixed up. Yeah, you know, I, I'd heard them. I, I you know, if I had to be qu- uh, quizzed on on not Jeopardy or like a, what's the the million dollar uh
0: oh yeah who wants to be a millionaire
1: millionaire i i I probably would get it but i i just in the speed of how law school was initially i I struggle because it was a foreign language it really is so
0: so full disclosure my first job interview in the mortgage industry the job that i took that launched my career at some point in the interview i had to ask the interviewer who was my first boss um now what is it exactly that i'm going to be doing when i'm hired i didn't know that's a good question yeah i'm like you know and and I, you should know it, but no. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I had done enough research that what I thought I was doing was a certain segment of the mortgage industry. It just wasn't the, the segment that that particular company focused on. And then something I picked up in college and I can't remember what course it was. It was probably one of my electives. Cause I always made sure I took the really cool electives, uh, like Hitler's third Reich. And I did one on like white collar crime, but, uh, it was once taught to me that what makes a profession a profession is that they have their own language or jargon. Like you know you're in a profession when you can speak to another um, person in your industry, have a conversation that a lay person can't follow. Mm -hmm. Now my childhood best friend who lives in San Diego as a border patrol agent, he likes to have personal conversations with me where he drops uh, like cop jargon. I'm like, bro, what are you doing to me? I don't know what, you know, oh, we bumped out a 75 and high, I'm like, what does that mean in English? You attorneys, yeah. I'm like, I, I I try to read any type of contract. I'm like, eh, I'll just sign it. Like, <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Which, um, so now I'm going to start really wanting to pepper you with questions. So I want to I want to close the loop on what we mm-hmm. were what what we were just chatting about, which was oh, where you got your start mm-hmm. and how how you came about uh, having your own firm. So in a, a quick 30, 45 seconds, you interned at one point in the public defender's office. Right. When you graduated, where'd you find yourself?
1: Right, so I, throughout law school, I, gradu- I I, interned at various different types of law firms. So I had exposure to a number of them. When I graduated, I actually didn't go right into practice in Florida. I actually moved around a little bit. Okay. I ended up back in Arizona, passed the Arizona bar there, so I'm licensed there now as well, uh, while, while it's inactive. I started there as well with a, uh, like a corporate firm and then I came back and I was working, I did a number of different jobs, right? I was starting in a, it's actually close to the mortgage industry, it was the—it was called um, Association Law Group, right? Okay. And that, they basically, um, I don't know how big they were as far as how much of the pie they had, but they did a lot of, they represented all the different associations, homeowners and condo associations, um, and all kinds of matters, but.
0: And, and condo associations and homeowners associations are in constant
1: litigation. They're in constant litigation because I I don't know
0: who's in litigation more often, them or contractors. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to say contractors probably five to one, but um, I never realized how much contractors were in litigation until I uh, became buddies with a neighbor of mine who is a GC and, and he's a GC for like a really large Mm -hmm. national, if not worldwide firm. And he's like, yeah, that's just normal. Like we sue our vendors, they sue us. I go, oh my God. So then like, you have to go out and find new vendors? He's like, no. He Mm -hmm. goes, they hire us for the next project. We hire them for the next project. He's like, that's just how we operate. I'm like, I couldn't imagine living in a world where in order to get something done, I just have my attorney call your attorney, file some paperwork, maybe a lawsuit or two, go go to mediation and that's how we figure out who owes who, what type of money. But that's how it works, at least my understanding in that industry and then working in the mortgage banking industry yes HOAs and condos they definitely like to litigate
1: yes and and so I did that for a number of number of months uh, while I was actually at that point because I moved back I was waiting for my results for the okay. bar and then I worked some other odd jobs and what during that I actually started my own firm and so I was taking a few cases here and there while I was working part time at some jobs while I was interviewing figuring out what I want to do cuz you know I w- because I had moved around a little bit, it wasn't as easy right out of law school. Um, and so, if one of those first cases was actually um, a security deposit dispute. So, this is where it gets interesting about landlord-tenant law, right? Um, if a landlord takes a security deposit in a lease, right? Let's say you're, um, if I was a tenant, you're the landlord, okay. and I'm signing a, a lease. And I want first
0: month, last yeah. month, and security deposit, yeah, yep.
1: and so historically, you're a landlord, you don't, as much as you can do a background search on somebody, you want to make sure if he damages the walls and all that, you can keep the security deposits. So it's very important that you get them, obviously, because you need that kind of security. There's a reason that um, most leases have them, right? Now, um, if a landlord wants to tap into that money, I mean, the, the legislator is very serious about holding money, right? Any kind of situation that Somebody's holding money on behalf of another person. It's supposed to be in separate accounts. You're not allowed to touch it unless you follow strict guidelines. And so the Florida statute actually has rules around um, how a landlord can go after that money. Right. Okay. So let's say again in that in this scenario, I'm the tenant. You're the landlord. I move out, and I go, "Hey, Mr. Landlord, w- you know, I gave you a thousand dollar security deposit. I believe I left it. Spickety span. You know, I have pictures. I, I left it." It was fine. Right. So the landlord, let's say you notice, oh, man, something's broken in the house that I believe is his fault. Right. And it could be, you know, the walls are just destroyed, let's just say. And you would have the statute says you have 15 days if you're not going to make a claim on the security deposit to just send it back to the to the tenant. If you are going to make a demand, though, you have 30 days, and in those 30 days, you have to send this letter, and the letter is very specific. It says, "I'm making a claim on your security deposit, and here are the reasons." And after the reasons, you have 15 days to respond um, in writing to this address. And then, if you don't, there's other, you know, ramifications. And then, it, ultimately, if if you don't, re- if you respond and contest- so if I respond to that letter, I say, "You know what? I contest that." it would have to go to court because he, the, you, the landlord, you can't touch that money until I've said, OK, you take 200 of it. I disagree. Like, it's supposed to be informal. But what happens is, if the landlord didn't send the letter at all, let's say a month and a half went by, so you're past 30 days, Yeah, which a lot of new landlords don't understand that. It, Especially it's, if you're self-managed. If you're self-managed, you're just getting into business. You need to know that, that statute, that it's 8351. Uh, and that's for here in, in, in the two. state of Florida in florida um, yeah. yeah to be clear, be clear. but
0: yeah. but if you're not in florida which you know i'd probably say about 25 percent of our listeners are in florida other 75 percent are spread out i mean california to georgia everywhere in between um i'm assuming it's a good chance your state also has very yes. specific statutes that you need to follow uh and you're talking about you had a a client hire you because they were disputing, were they the tenant or they were the landlord? I,
1: they were the tenant.
0: They are the tenant. Yeah. So their landlord was like, uh-uh, I'm keeping your money. And they're like, why? Because I've left this house better than I found it. At which point, it must have been a large enough sum of money. Or is a good friend of yours that you were like, you know what? I'll do this case pro bono because it'd be fun for me. Um, well, let me, let me answer that because okay. you're,
1: you're, you have, there's a lot of presumptions yes. in, in your statement. The thing Look at
0: that! That is straight up attorney talk. There's a lot of presumptions in your statement, uh, well, Mr. Owen. <laughs> no, I, I
1: like it. The important thing to keep in mind is, yeah, that's a great question. What lawyer would want to take that type of case? Yeah. Okay. So imagine that you're. Um, yeah, I'm going to spend five
0: hundred dollars to recover a yeah, thousand.
1: Exactly. So if you were writing the laws, what do you think you would do if that was a situation? Uh, I would just to, to protect tenants oh, right? oh imagine you were writing the like then a legislator right okay well the then Lord then', then
0: I'm, I have that that law written where I it's the money plus attorney's fees at a minimum if not money attorney's fees and possibly opportunity cost
1: exactly right now, okay. Not the opportunity cost but there's a provision for attorney's fees in the landlord tenant act okay and so that, so that's
0: good to know for both landlords yes. especially for landlords like look Landlords, if you're listening, if you made it this far into the podcast, into this episode, is it really worth that $1,000? Because if they damaged the home, then yeah, yeah. If they didn't, and you're just trying to find a way to pad your pockets, um, it could cost you more than that $1,000,
1: Absolutely, okay, right. And I've successfully litigated cases that were, yeah, maybe five hundred or more a little bit more where the landlord didn't send the letter, and that was that first case. it was it was more than it was around two thousand, I believe, yep. and they didn't send the letter at all. So I filed the suit, and I believe I got a default. The landlord didn't even didn't even show, right? okay. And because um, I had a few of them, they actually, it, this is the, the funny thing about law, and like you, you had asked earlier, I don't know if it was during this or before, of like how do lawyers find clients, yes. right? Well, a lot of it's word of mouth, right? And falling into the area, like I, I fell into this area, right? And so this particular uh, defendant didn't respond. We got the default judgment, plus my attorney's fees. So, uh, you know, a $2,000 claim became close to six figures for them. And then when we went to do what's... So after you get a judgment, hey, that's nice, you have a piece of paper. Yeah. You have to go and try to collect on it, right? And so the steps to do that are, you, I can send you, let's say I, you with that landlord again, and I won this, def, I got a default, or I, I went to trial and I won, whatever it is, mm-hmm. but I have a, a judgment. If I wanna go and get the money for that judgment I, I need to know your bank account information. I need to know, do you have assets to go seize it? I mean, there's there's all these steps you can take after the case is won. Um,
0: they collect your money, because all a judgment is, is that there's a judge stated you owe this money. Right.
1: Right. And so um, in our few years now, I, I have a few cases where we've won and, and I tell the clients, look, uh, it's very difficult to collect because it is. So but back to the, the landlord tenant situation where um, and, and this one specifically we were able to then, once you get a judgment, you can record it in the public record. And once you record in the public record, it's good for 20 years. And so it accumulates interest at whatever the statutory rate is at that time. And so a year or so went by and I and I haven't been paid. Yeah. My client's out is $2,000 as well. And then he go the landlord wants to sell a property. Well, that's nice you know, you're a mortgage broker, you understand yeah. the process, you have to go through looking at title. Well, hey, there's a, a claim. So, you know, three days before closing they're oh, will you accept this? And they're negotiating about the judgment. I say, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I will accept the full amount. Thank you. Okay, my client's been out of $2,000 for a year and a half now, or three, whatever it was, it was many, many months. And so it's a, it's a costly mistake that any landlord really, they, they need to be be wise about the other thing to keep in mind is if it's just wear and tear you know if it's a people if they've been in your house for three years right and they're renting you know things are going to break down the walls are going to lose a little bit of their color like you cannot charge for those things that's that's called wear and tear now if it's a um you know they do major damage they break a door rip up a knob like things that obviously just don't happen but except for you know, some kind of deliberate act of the tenant, then you can go after them, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think, wear and tear. Here's a great example. When I look at my, uh, I live in a two-story house, so the kids go upstairs. Well, kids, if you ever watched kids do anything, their hands must be touching every wall, every appliance, and every window you have. Right. Well, my stairs have two lines because we lived in the house for nine years um, where the kids run their hands going up the stairs. Oh yeah. There's, it looks like almost like black. I'm mm-hmm. sure all the grease and dirt and grime kids have on their hands. And you're saying a landlord like, Oh, you damaged my wall. Cause I see black streaks in this hallway where you're like, no, that's normal wear and tear. Uh, one coat of paint that's corrected. You can't keep my security deposit because I lived in the home and it had natural wear and tear.
1: Right. And this is where a crafty attorney, on whichever side, I, I, whatever side I'm on, on this case, mm-hmm. I could argue either way. Okay. Right? I would say that that's a close call. Because because your
0: fifth grade teacher said y- that, I mean, you're going to argue. Mr. Williams said your I would truth. argue it, yeah. yes.
1: So <laughs> I, I, but I mean, I, I ha- you have to argue it, right? That's my, that's why I'm in the case. So you have to make those arguments. And, and I depend on, again, I'd, I'd want to actually see the pictures and all that. And then ultimately, if, if, if it couldn't be agreed upon between the parties, yeah, then the judge would decide on a situation like that. Would I take a case like that, where that, it, it really, each, each one's very, it's very fact specific because what I've seen is very egregious a few times with landlords is, let's say they have a $1,000 security deposit. Yep, okay. is
0: $1,000 what's normal, or is one month It's normal. usually one month, okay. but I'm
1: using even numbers just to keep it safe, Okay. keep it simple for this podcast. Let's say that, so it's $1,000 and the landlord writes that letter. It's within the 30 days and it says, Mr. Tenant or Mr. and Mrs. Tenant or tenants, yeah. I believe that you have $7,000 in damages. So I'm want the ten- I want the $1,000 of yours plus I want more. I want additional funds. Oh, wow. And so it could be $2,000, 3000 mm-hmm. whatever it is, you're a tenant, you don't, know, like you said, the language of the law, right? You see that, you might call up a law office, but not that many of the lawyers do this type of practice, and so they might say, oh, I don't know, That's not our area, yada, yada, or they go seek legal help, or the research is online, they don't know what to do. The issue is that that landlord didn't, in good faith, put that 7,000 in this scenario. They put that because they really just want the 1,000, but they want to scare you that they're gonna go after the other six, or whatever the amount is. And, I, and I, so I've had clients come to me with that, and I say, and in one situation, I said, usually I would just send a response in a demand letter, mm-hmm. but let's just, we're going to take the initiative. You have to be aggressive. Let's just file against them. And, and then we did, and then ultimately we were able to resolve it because it, and after talking to them, it was very clear that they just had, there was, I mean, lies, clear lies of like this thing about a piece of furniture. She's like, I never even, I didn't have that. And you have to, you know, I believe my client, but, so, you know, it's, it's at least from what she had shown me in the evidence, it seemed egregious. Well, right?
0: What are some of the um, like top two or three mistakes you see landlords make? And then I'm gonna flip it on you and say, what are the top two or three mistakes tenants make? Because you know, we're we're getting ready to question. go into the end of one year, beginning of, of another. So people typically either buy and move in December or they wait to do it in the summer months. That's that, that's what, what we see happen. So we're getting ready to enter into the, um, second busiest time to to buy and sell property, which is December, or, or rent to, to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, people wanna move during the holidays, they have vacation time, kids have a break from school. If you're gonna move a kid from one school system to the, to the other, it's, it's best to do so in between semesters. So we find December's a, a, a busy month, and then uh, same thing goes for like the May, June, July time period, those are busy months because it's summer months. Um, so if people are in a point where they're getting ready to turn over their lease, or they're going to go lease a new place themselves, let's start with the landlords. What are like the top two or three, I call them mistakes, you may have a different word for it, but just like gotchas or things to look out for when you are a landlord?
1: And that's a great question. I haven't been asked that uh, specifically before. I would say number one was, is clearly the, the security deposit dispute. If someone's moving out, you just need to send that letter. OK, so uh, only yourself.
0: only if I'm anticipating keeping their security deposit. Yes, exactly. So, so that you're means, not just sending the money,
1: obviously. Yeah. So yeah. I,
0: I need to go walk the property ASAP because right. is it the minute they move out? The 30 day clock starts.
1: Yes, it starts ex- the,
0: the day the lease expires or the well, day they move out.
1: Um, that's a great question. I believe it's the date of that they vacate. Right? OK, so let's say they move the 30th. But, it, but I think you would start the day after the lease ends. Because usually that's when you're yeah, so doing an official walkout. So um, I want to go do
0: my walkthrough. So,
1: so here's back to, again, like you said, looking knowing the law and all that. I, I, again, I've done this dozens of times. But I still look at the statute and, and use a counter and look at the calendar. Because it can get tricky, right? Especially do you count a holiday? What if it ends on a Sunday? There's all these rules about, right? Like, hey, let's say the 30th day is a Saturday. Well, what happens? It goes to that next Monday. Unless yeah. that Monday's a holiday. If that Monday's, you know, it's MLK Day, then it's that Tuesday. Oh, wow. Right, so there's all these okay. rules, right? So Which
0: benefits the landlord, yeah. not the tenant.
1: If, right,
0: if, right. If, if I'm a tenant and I get through Friday, I'm like, yes! No, no, they still right. have until Monday or Tuesday to actually get yeah. me that letter. And then, right. here we are coming off of the 2020 election. Does it count from when it was postmarked? Or does it count from when it was received?
1: It's... When it's postmarked. Postmarked. Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But how about this? Here's my biggest takeaway right now. Nothing is easy. Take a deep breath. Take a step back and make a phone call if you have to. Just make sure that you're being, you're, you're looking out for your best interests as it pertains to the law. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was even thinking like if, if, if you were a landlord, if you own two rental properties mm-hmm. and for whatever reason you didn't listen to, episode, I don't know what episode it was, probably 17 or 22, where I talk about buying an investment property. And based on firsthand experience, I highly suggest people to use reputable, recommended uh, professionals to handle the property management. Mm-hmm. Not everyone wants to do that. They want to save that nine percent. They want to make you maximize their cash flow, etc. Is that what it
1: is? Is that what it averages? Yeah. It ty-
0: typically, typically you're going to pay seventy-five uh, percent of one month's rent to have the home marketed and then uh, put a full-time tenant in it, plus anywhere between seven to ten percent of the uh, gross monthly income. So if I rent my property for fifteen hundred, I'm not seeing fifteen hundred. I'm seeing thirteen fifty because the leasing company is going to take ten percent off the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so my my thought was was if you had your own rental property and you're executing a lease, right? In in this scenario, you are the 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 uh, landlord. Mm-hmm. Knowing what you know about the law, at least the Florida law, what are a couple of, like gotcha moments that you don't want to get got?
1: Right, that's that's the first one. Um, honestly, uh, there aren't that many gotcha moments. I think the number one thing is really have uh, just great communication with your tenants. Right. And also do your research on them. Right. If you have to do a background check, that's great. Definitely check their resources, uh, their, um, you know, that they say they're employed. Yeah. Make a few calls, see if they actually are and verify their income. Yeah. And if they give you a few references, yeah, just do, do your research and then make sure you have great communication. What if they don't pay me?
0: Oh, well, are right. ready well, that's go number, that's number two but no, I, I cut you off because why do I need to have great communication and should I document my communication
1: not necessarily okay um, I mean you should document it but the reason I'm saying that is because you don't want to end up in litigation it's 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 a it really isn't the most useful uh, way to settle disputes right um, yeah it's costly and, and then cons- the other one thing is if you're a landlord really understand that these are tenants' homes. They they live there. They want to make it their home. They are going to treat it as nice as you treat them, right? They're, they might trash the place if you were just rude to them. Mm-hmm. If, like, honestly, uh, I, I shouldn't say, like, just because yeah. you're rude, but that could be a, the determining factor if, if, if things go enough south, right? And that's the main fear the landlord has. That's why you want a security deposit. But if you have great communication, then you're going to be able to um, – avoid a lot of these issues. The, the other one is if there is an issue as far as like the AC breaks, which I wanna talk about uh, appliances, things like that in the house, that you are responsive and depending on how the, your lease is written, you do want to fix those things as, as promptly as possible so, for tenants, because uh, that's the biggest complaint that tenants have, right? I'm,
0: I'm glad you wanna talk about that because yeah. like the, the two questions that I get on my end a lot um, are, you know, well I, I hear, well, why should I buy versus rent? And now I tell her, look, when you buy, when something breaks, it's on you to fix. Mm -hmm. That's your money. That's your savings account. That's your credit card. That's your trip to Home Depot, et cetera. That being said, when something breaks and you own, you know, it gets fixed right away, or at least on your timeline, because you're the one in charge. Mm -hmm. When you rent, I've heard horror stories of it being weeks and I lived in my home with no AC, it's been weeks, and I've had my, my groceries in a cooler. Um, so you just brought it up and I'm like, oh yes, let's dive into that because I wanna hear what, what are my requirements as a landlord? How quickly do I need to fix stuff like that? What, are, what should I deem as reasonable if I'm the tenant and my AC breaks? which by the way, living in states like Arizona and Florida, if your AC breaks, it's like living in the Northeast and your heat goes out in Mm -hmm, February. mm -hmm. Um, And then also if I'm a landlord and I'm, my tenants not paying, like what what does that process look like? And then let's flip it. I mean, we're living during a worldwide pandemic. There are people who, who, to no fault of their own, just don't have the ability to make their rent payment. And what type of protections do I have there if I'm one of those people and I'm facing eviction? Mm -hmm. So that's a lot I threw on your plate. Let's start and we'll just kind of chip away at it as as quick as we can on the AC type uh, refrigerator appliance example.
1: Sure. And um, you made me think of something I learned in law school, which is you don't don't ask compound questions. You know what a (laughs) compound question is?
0: Uh, uh, well, I know what a compound sentence is, so I'm guessing a compound question is where I've asked four questions. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, then I at, can
1: pick which one I want to answer. Is basically, that's why you don't ask compound questions. But, but it's, no, it's fine. I We're, love that. Not... Was that year
0: two or year three?
1: I think it was year three. Because I'm
0: an I'm a, I'm a amateur wordsmith, and when I teach writing for business, I actually teach people to um, write as if they're communicating to a six or seven-year-old. I want mm-hmm. short sentences. I want lots of punctuation. And, um, and I don't want large vocabulary because I want it to be a paint by numbers. I want you to be able to read what I'm writing and it just go bump, bump, ba bump, ba bump. And then now I just learned as an attorney, yeah. I would suck. Cause I just asked you four questions in one breath of air.
1: Well, this is a, this is a conversation. That's okay. fine. I, I'm just, I'm, I, it made me think of, yeah. but I'm going to answer all of them. Okay. okay. So let's, let's just break it down like this. The three main, you said like the big no-nos or let's just say the biggest disputes, but like I said, the security deposit when someone moves out. Yep issues with things breaking and then finally non-payment of rent which is what it's called under under the under florida law right and that would be the eviction process so the second one is issues with the ac other things in the house breaking um the refrigerator is down things like that florida law so it, it doesn't cover acs Okay, they're not a – like it's not required under Florida law for a landlord to provide work in AC. Which,
0: a little FYI, when you're financing a home, homes do not have to have AC. They have to have heat.
1: Right, which is interesting because (laughs) – Because have you
0: tried to live those three days with no power when a hurricane comes through because they're not fun?
1: Which is – I mean the reason Florida really grew – or one of the main reasons, I mean, there's-, there's the, 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 the advent of AC, of AC, yeah. Yeah, so it's just not, and I, and I was reaching, researching this recently. Like, you were asking, oh, yeah. nationally, how's it work? I think Texas, you do have to have it, but I don't, I wouldn't, don't quote okay. me on that. I just, I think, because I, I was curious what states have it, because I thought about it, like, maybe if I went through and just was like, okay, my firm's gonna take a case- we're going to bring it and appeal it all the way up to the Supreme Court and be like, this is ridiculous. AC, should, it should be into the, uh, it should be a requirement, you know, because it's not right now. Um, so irrespective of AC, but let's say, like, the fridge bricks, that one is something, right, that, okay, the landlord doesn't fix it. Well, as a tenant, what are your rights? What can you do, right? Because you might be in the situation. Yeah, I don't know. I'm asking Okay. You. Well, again, this is where great communication works. Um, the Florida, Florida law says, you can provide, you have to provide a certain letter. It's called a seven day notice to the landlord to fix the issues. And if they don't, then you can withhold rent and or move out. So that seven day notice though, as a tenant, you have to send it then before, let's say you're moving, you want, it's the middle of the month, you're coming up till it's the end of the month, seven days before the end of the month, because then your rent's gonna have to be due. Let's say right now we're in November, so let's say, but you don't want to have to worry about December rent because this is such an issue. If it's starting now, send the seven day letter now. Try okay. to get it fixed in this month because yeah, you, you need to send it by sort of by mail. And, and, and that's show assuming
0: I emailed, called, and texted and I'm getting no but, response or I'm getting right. a big double middle finger.
1: Well, that's the interesting thing about now. We're in a bigger we're we're having a broader this is I have a broader analysis for you on that. It's great that you have these apps. Like I have a I know a lot of landlords that mm-hmm. use these things. App Folio, or what? Like I can name ten different apps. That's great to communicate on, but Florida law doesn't necessarily acknowledge that. That's the It was written before the iPhone. It it was written before the iPhone. It's it's a legacy system, so it hasn't been updated to. Yeah, is an email uh, sufficient? Um, Is uh, um, through the app sufficient to send that kind of notice? Um, It's. It's. Here's the thing. These are all state cases. They don't necessarily get appealed, so unless you're really reading those state case cases, like you're not necessarily gonna-
0: We need um, Rich Workman back yeah. in the uh, in, in the state house. Right. Rich was awesome. He was from um, like the, the Bavard County, Melbourne district. Mm-hmm. And he once tried to have a law written that, I wanna say prohibited midget tossing. I don't even know if that's like politically correct to like use that term, little people tossing, but it's because somewhere it was written that it was like banned. He, he, he was always looking out for getting rid of the laws mm-hmm. that just make no sense. Like, why is this in here? Why is this written that way? We almost need someone like him to come in and say, hey, guys, by the way, it's like 2020. And maybe letters are a thing of like decades ago. And maybe we should like include email communication. Maybe one day communication via apps or text messaging, but at
1: least email. You would think so, but right. but but I not agree. yet. So that's good and to I, know. I, I might so it, sound like an ignoramus, but Rich what, what's Workman, his name? yeah, Workman. he's
0: he's no longer. He he was in the either the Florida House
1: of Florida okay. Senate. Um, was this is a while ago. Uh, I I moved here in 2010, so I
0: uh, no. So he he was um, probably like 2008 through about 2016, um, and I think he actually termed out. So I don't know if he was in the the Florida House and he turned out mm. um, and he ran for the Florida Senate and he lost his Florida Senate seat. Um, but because the state of Florida actually has this thing called term limits, which really, would which which be everywhere. really right. cool if the federal government would follow what the state of Florida does. Mm-hmm. But I think in the in the in the Florida uh, House and Florida Senate, you're six years in one and eight years in the other. So you can only make a career out of being in the legislature for 14 total years. Oh, so you can do like six years in one and then eight in the other. And mm-hmm. I could be wrong on my numbers, by the way, guys. Like I'm, I haven't brushed up on my Florida civics. You should just put but it in the. you should have JC uh, yeah, put it, like. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, like but right, no, that's – right
1: here. Now I'm putting. am giving him a lot of work. So, <laughs> so,
0: so so let's talk about evictions. Let's talk
1: yeah, about yeah. That's number three. Yeah. Right. Okay. And that's very it's a very timely issue because here we are. What's today? November 10? something. Yeah. And JC says
0: we can't timestamp these. Oh. Sh- yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: It's November 2020, we'll just say. Yeah, there we go. It's after the election. So there we go. We'll place it at some point. It um, could
0: be a day between Sunday and Tuesday. Yeah. After the election.
1: It's very cryptic.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay.
1: Evictions. Uh, not, not a fun process, right? Not a fun Not On a either fun side. Like, like, out of yeah.
0: curiosity, have you ever met a landlord that was like, hell yeah, I get to evict this person today?
1: Very few and frankly, I don't know if I'd represent them. I, yeah. I, I, I do lean towards wanting to represent tenants because again, I think they're abused more often and it's a landlord uh, friendly state as far as how the laws are written in my opinion. I, but I have, so back to when I was really practicing on my own, starting out, I had an eviction in 2017 in Miami-Dade and it's like August or September, we're going through the process and hurricane Irma pops up on the map. Oh, hurricane, oh you know, at that yeah. point, Cat 3, 4 um, Oh, now you get in, some FEMA yeah. laws, some federal disaster laws. So so actually, it, it's very county specific. Okay. First of all, about notices and, and things like that. Um and I think in that during that hurricane season, there was a, a, an elderly woman who was late in her on her rent and like kicked out days before this storm. And then now like it was such an uproar in Miami, they changed, changed they have like a local ordinance about it. But essentially- Dorothy's law. Yeah. <laughs> could be Dorothy's law, right? Um, and so it's, it's, you always have to look at what, what the county level is first, but statewide, the way it works, typically non-COVID times, and I'll get into the COVID changes. Um, let's say a tenant is late on rent. You can send them a three-day notice, okay? This is a notice that tells them you're behind X amount. It has to be exact. And then you say you have three days to provide that amount or give us the keys and get out. And so if you've gotten this letter, first of all it's very jarring for tenants, obviously, but if they don't pay in that by that third day, and this is again where the calendaring matters, right? So you count, so let's say I posted it today, mm-hmm. then the first day is the next day. So say it's today, let's say today was a Monday. Okay. We won't say. Today hypothetically is a Monday so then you would count three days Tuesday Wednesday Thursday if they if the tenant hasn't paid by Thursday you can file on Friday right okay but let's say it was a Wednesday that you posted it then you'd have Thursday Friday Monday to pay and then Tuesday to file
0: and by posted it means so I have to send them a letter once you, once they're 30 so once they're 30 days late I send them a letter and the letter says you have three days to pay
1: me no 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 no, no. okay that that's the 30-day notice, that's something else, again, because of COVID, which I'll get into. Okay. It's just standard just how sta- it okay. works. Yeah, three days. They can just be late per the, the lease. They can oh. be a couple days late.
0: Yep. So rent, rent was due yeah. on January 1st. First? It's now February 1st. And or it's I, just I, January 7th. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. It's the middle of the month. You haven't been paid yet as the landlord. You And you want to put that notice up because you also want them to, to know. Yeah. You need to let them know and protect your interests, right? As well, wait a minute.
0: So it's due to, it's not like, like in the mortgage industry, if your mortgage payment is due January 1st, we don't even report you being late until you haven't paid us by February. Mm -hmm. Meaning you're due January 1st, we give you the 15th, just free grace. Like just, yeah, you guys pay the 15th, cool, thanks. It's not until the 30th, or I'm sorry, the first of the next month that we're now telling Experian Equifax and TransUnion, hey, Need to ding this person. I have a 30-day late, mm-hmm. and I don't think we can even start the um, eviction process until th- well, eviction the foreclosure process until three months behind in most states. But uh, but you're saying rent was due on January 1st. It's now January 3rd, 7th. What like uh, and I'm I, I'm sending you a notice saying you have X amount of time to pay me or else.
1: It's called a three-day notice, three so days. you have wow. three days to pay. And then, let's say again, after all the math, three days, days, days from when
0: I receive the letter.
1: Yeah, and and this one, there's a few ways. Is there you can a do
0: presumptive it. re, uh, like, it's presumed that if it was mailed on Monday, that I receive it by Thursday? Or
1: um, no, well, so there's a few ways you can do okay. it. You can do certified mail. You can post it, and there might be a third way that I'm not sure of. You say def- post it, like post in the post on the door? Oh, on the door on oh. their actual front door. Okay. Yeah. And, okay. And then you sign it, you keep a copy as the landlord, and that has to be in your, in the lawsuit, the eviction lawsuit, okay? Okay. So an eviction lawsuit, um, there's two parts. First off, a typical law, like uh, this, this is getting to like litigation as far as um, what's called civil procedure, but essentially uh, the whole statute, 83, of uh, the chapter 83 of the of, the Florida, of Florida statutes is a, an expedited process, which means that the normal, like if I was to sue you, because let's say you threw that at me, okay, I'm going to sue you that oh that you damaged, you know, or I say I break one of these this device and you're going to sue me, I have 20 days to respond since I was served.
0: These are called our COVID spit catchers, by the way. That's in that's a that's okay. an actual technical term. But go ahead. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> and so, so 30, so 20 days to respond, and it's a normal, it's a it's it's. It's dragged out. It, it does take a long time, and there's, but that's the general idea. Now, for possession of the property w- under the statute of eighty three, you can. It's five days. So tenant hasn't paid. It's a Monday, all the way to Thursday. The third day hasn't paid still. Friday, landlord can then file. Then from that day you start counting five days, but you start on the next business day, which would be Monday. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot. So basically Monday till Friday, the following week, that's when, if, the, if once you've, okay, excuse me, if you, if you sued on that Friday, you have to serve the defendant, you have to, the tenants, they have to be noticed. Once they've been noticed, it's five days. And so, after
0: five days, if they haven't paid, then, then, then the sheriff's gonna come right, and exactly. stuff's gonna be moved out, right. et cetera. Well,
1: well yeah, like the, at, on that fifth day, if, if, if the tenant hasn't paid, then the landlord can get what's called a writ of possession. That's the paper that the sheriff, you know, gives the sheriff the permission to go into the house and forcibly, you know, knock down the door and then take everyone's possessions and move them out of the house, which is a, a scary that's, process. That's, yeah. yeah what, what, I mean, it happens all the time around the United States. That's terrible. You, 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 you would can hope, imagine, right?
0: Yeah, you would hope you could find ways to avoid right. that at
1: all costs. Right, and so you can imagine, this is one of my first cases back to Hurricane Irma, Um, my client was the the landlord in the situation and the tenants, it was a family that was, you know, the storm was chasing and I have another story that could be its own podcast about how I left with last minute from Miami Beach, I was evacuated Went. I drove all the way to with uh, my friends soon to be in-laws at the time he was engaged to New Orleans of all places that you never know could have veered and hit us there too but um, that's a whole other story but
0: and that's this, because you went to Harrah's and you hit a big rolling dice. And I didn't.
1: Pl- I didn't play that. I was big into poker at the time, but okay. not. Not. Into- I don't know if I was at that point in 2017. Again, Our, another story. Yeah, man, so yeah. I have a lot of stories. We so we're in the middle of this lawsuit, and you know, my landlord's like, "Oh man, this family. Why, why weren't they? They were late many, many months. So at this point." Yeah, you. he, so, he had so worked he, with he, them. It's, he had worked it, yeah, with them. Yeah, a lot of landlords, yeah, that's yeah. the right thing to do. Hey, you're late. Let's, you yeah. know, what can we do? And then, um, and there's a lot of programs right now. We'll get into the COVID stuff. But at this, and this story is interesting because let's say, again, there's the five days and, you know, hurricane was coming. You know, the sheriffs aren't going to execute writs, you know. So they're just going to say, we're not going to
0: yeah not to have the a judge can give me the rip, but like
1: I, I'm the sheriff, I get to decide. yeah, and I'm not gonna go and schedule a time for my officers to go in the middle of the storm and all that. So it ultimately delayed and the courts were closed and stuff so like another, the tenants got in a few more weeks. I didn't feel like obviously for my client, it, it's unfortunate because he has more he has a mortgage. yeah, so it's it's also it's always a hard situation for everybody involved and it's just not pleasant. But the story in this one is eventually once we had the sheriff, the sheriff goes, and again, I don't know how each county does it. The sheriff posted, Hey, I'm coming tomorrow at this time, just FYI, like you you can get out before then, so we don't have to break the door and then yeah. So back to the whole picture again. Because the statute says you have this expedited process, you can do that in five days. Well that's great. But if you want to sue the tenant for the past rent, so the money portion, plus your attorney's fees and all that, which a lot of landlords why would you do that anyway? Because you but, know they can't pay. And correct. Yeah, yeah, you're going to be chasing. Yeah, bad money. Yeah, after and, good uh, money.
0: unless someone was somehow independently wealthy and vindictive, and they yeah. weren't paying you because they're being vindictive.
1: But that's a separate. It be you could it'd be the same case number, but it's a separate 20a process, and so it actually is. So you would have to. It's almost like dual. Sorry. I'm getting. Right so over yeah. Well,
0: weeks. so here here it is, because um, unfortunately, well, for us, you and I can sit here for four or five six hours and. I mean, my my questions oh, are, yeah, well, you may have hot yoga or date night with your girlfriend. Um, but I want to be able to, obviously, we've educated. Obviously, people's heads are spinning. And, and I mean, my head's spinning. And I'm thinking, okay, I am a landlord. I once was a tenant. Mm-hmm. I have nieces and nephews. Right. We all have who, family members. I mean, who are, are, right. Um, if people have questions in the state of Florida, Mm-hmm. How do they get a hold of you? I, yeah. I, I'm not done yet because I do want to come back with rapid fire because I want to take full advantage of having an attorney on, on the show. But right now, as it pertains to, to being a tenant, being a landlord, disputes, protection, um, et cetera, how would someone get a hold of Joe?
1: Sure. So, and we can put into the into the notes as well, right? The URL. like, So you can go to our, go to our website or call us. Uh, I'm not like looking at the camera. Yeah. 407-495-1893 yeah. <laughs> is our number and just yeah call us um we typically will have you go through an intake process we have intake forms and then to, to know what's going on because we, we actually have been getting it is incredible like again how you fall into areas so i mean i'm getting three to five inquiries from tenants and a few landlord i'd probably get one to two landlords a month i would say on average that like call me or just through my network but mm-hmm. i'd say yeah like I have a huge inbound for tenants right now. Cause, cause it is a very pressing issue for a lot of them. And so, which is I, if we have time, I, I can be quick about the CDC moratorium, which is very timely. Um, yeah, uh, let's, okay. let,
0: let let's touch on that because, okay. but when you are talking, I'm like, you know, some people might be at a point where they're like, um, this is too much. No, not even too much. I have questions. I wish this was like a live show and I could call right. in and, and, and ask Joe these questions, but I, we don't, sorry we guys. Do uh, well, we, we can always do more, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're local, I'm local. Yeah, um, I, I, I love it, uh, and we can do them in person. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about because we are in the the midst of a of a pandemic. But today it was announced that Pfizer. Um, right, great news. Great news, great news. We just like, give
1: away what date it is though?
0: Come on, I already. It's uh, between Sunday and Tuesday, the day after the election. I mean, um, <laughs> elections are done on Tuesday, so. And we know we're still in November, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so Given it was clues. yes. It, it was announced today that uh, it, it looks very promising that there's a vaccine mm-hmm. um, that's doing well in their initial test run. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: but uh, but no, there's some people right now. They're like, hey, I just need to know because I have some questions. Uh, so that's why I wanted to get that out. But we are in the middle of the midst of this pandemic, um, and there are some. Um, bonus, you'd call them, b- uh, bonus protections mm-hmm. for, for, for tenants. Uh, can you talk briefly on that?
1: Sure. There's two parts. One is the CDC moratorium, okay, which...
0: Centers for D- Disease, Disease Control. control yeah. okay,
1: and this made major headlines, and I'm sure you, I don't know if you saw this in the news about the moratorium, but it basically says due to the risk of Again, we, we talked about it. I mean, it's horrific if a family is thrown out. And we can talk about all the ramifications mm-hmm. of, you know, how hard it is if a family loses their home, right? Um, but the, the for our health perspective of being in a pandemic, you can imagine if all of a sudden a family of four or, or even one or two have to go shack up with another family and you have to, close quarters and then the virus can spread in those new houses or in communities where the homeless would go to, right? Okay. So the CDC said we need to prevent this from happening because if evictions, they called it the wave, the great wave, like was this wave that was supposed to, uh, supposedly coming, um, everyone's gonna be out into these situations where the virus will thrive. Okay. So that's why. So what it does is it says, it's a specific um, affidavit that a tenant has to sign. So if they were provided with the notices and all that, and they were sued, they'd have this uh, affidavit and it says, and there's like five things on it, and I don't know if you want to put in the link or because I can send it to you. But. You're
0: looking at me like I know how to use a computer. Okay. You should so look over your, there where, 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 where JC is, and, and uh, he, he – Okay.
1: Yes. But basically – and I just don't know if that's out of my head. Yeah. I'll tell you there's a few main ones. One is that you're, 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 you're signing it under oath, right, that uh, – and I think you might have to have it notarized, but it says, I've made attempts to pay what I could – I've, been, I've lost my job or had reduced hours because of COVID, mm-hmm. which I mean, that would, that's not very hard to, to prove. And then the last one, uh, one of the main ones is that if you were to be evicted, you would be forced into a situation, which I think anyone who has been evicted, like where they have nowhere to go and they're being a community that they, it could spread it. Yeah. And there's a few other ones as well. There's like, I think it's like six or seven statements that you have to check off. I think you need to initial each one too. So tenants need to at least be making some payments. And um, so that's that's the CDC moratorium. The other one is the CARES Act. We all know about the CARES and, Act. And, and
0: that moratorium says that if I uh, sign this affidavit, I have it notarized, and whatever the law requires right. that states those three things, I can't be evicted for how long? 30 okay. days, 60 days, 90 days? Yeah, good Good follow-up six question,
1: because I realized I didn't finish the the whole thought. If that happens, the CDC moratorium says so once you file that affidavit that the courts the the case stops all the way into the end of the year okay now things might change right the CDC might extend it they might say we're going to do another 2 months like at this point we don't know so that's something i would just i would just google right if if you are in that situation look that up okay yeah now the other one is the cares act okay which actually has a lot of implications because um, number 1 If you're a landlord and you have a federally backed mortgage and in that property that you have that mortgage on, you have tenants, then you have to provide more than the three day. You have to provide a 30 day notice. Okay. Okay. And that's until the end of the year as well. So that 30 days, so you can be five days late, but they have 30 days to come up. And then, um, so that's like Freddie Mac, all those. uh, Yeah. Uh, If if you you have a
0: loan that's backed by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, department of veteran affairs, HUD, which is if you have an FHA home, like maybe Mm -hmm. maybe bought this house for yourself to live in ten years ago, Mm -hmm. Uh, when you upgraded, you kept the house, you kept the mortgage, um, Mm -hmm. and now it's a rental property.
1: Yep. So so back to this this is the last point I have on these, which is both of them, right? The so back to the CDC, there is one I remembered that they have to check off as a tenant. It's that you've gone after every um like local or governmental or federal governmental program to get assistance. So okay, have tried to do that. And so Orange County, because that's where we are, they have they received and they set up a fund from the federal government it's from from the CARES Act. I think it's like 50 million dollars, like a lot of money that goes to tenants and landlords in this situation. So if you're a landlord and you're having an issue with your tenant, point them towards that, have them apply Th- and research it. That is huge. Yeah. So that
0: is huge because I think so few people, people don't know about actually that. know about that. Right. So I mean, landlords themselves, because if I'm a landlord, especially if I'm a landlord of multiple units or in that world, they call them doors, by the way, if I'm a landlord, I have 17 doors or 1,700 right. doors.
1: Right. In hotels, they call it keys. Right? Okay. So.
0: Yeah. So how great would it be that I could say, Hey, look, I understand you can't pay there are resources out there because as a landlord I still want to get paid because mm-hmm. I've still have to pay I may have financed that 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 investment some some way. Yeah. Um so so that that's great information for anyone listening if you're having a difficult time making your rent payment or you know someone who is check with your local housing authority. Your local housing authority whether it's Seminole County Housing Authority, the Orange County Housing Authority, the DeKalb mm-hmm. Housing Authority, the Cobb County I mean whatever county you live in Look to your housing authority. And if it's not through them, I promise you, they will know who it's through.
1: Right. And I think this applies to everyone. You can, I think it's a theme of your podcast. It's about entrepreneursism, mm-hmm. right? I just jumbled that word. But basically, we're, we're in crazy times. And anyone can attest to that, right? Yep. You have to be thrifty. You have to be crafty. So you should be researching these things. You really need to be aggressive in, in finding these programs. Uh, and have you seen
0: how your friends interact on social media very little research is done very, very little, little. Yeah. yeah you're asking people exactly. to research no very little but that's what this show is honestly it's for it's everything you should have learned in mm-hmm. high school but you didn't mm-hmm. these are conversations that for whatever reason when my buddies and i go hunting next month we don't talk about this
1: mm-hmm.
0: right when my wife gets together with the with the ladies in the neighborhood and they play canasta they don't talk about this and I don't know why. Like people like to keep everything so surface level. I'm like, but we can't learn and get better if we do that.
1: I mean well, let's oh, I don't know who who are you hanging around with then.
0: Oh Ooh, well maybe back at you. Uh, do you like to hunt? We're 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 going I, quail I hunting next month. Okay. Yeah, I've never hunted anything. Hey, you a deer. guys you guys
1: heard it, so follow yeah. up and see if you invited me. No, after honestly, after we cut. You know
0: what? You're actually on you made the alternate list because uh, the cabin only sleeps eight and we already have eight people committed. But we are living in the world of Rona. You never know. Yeah, one of the right. guys can catch Rona. I'll give you. will yeah, give you a buzz. Okay. Um, no,
1: but I, I love being outdoors. I used to. to um, well, I've never hunted. I I I, um, I am a meat eater. You know, I try to. I I'm, I'm, I call myself. Me and my girlfriend say we're plant based. That's our. That's yeah, our yeah. Try to be um, as clean as possible. Yeah, one of my favorite
0: so. books that I read this year was *In Defense of Food*, uh, and Who, um, who's that author? Uh, that Jamie, Oliver, Jamie Oliver. Jamie Oliver. It's fantastic, and, and, I, and I'm a butcher of this, but mm-hmm. one of the um, the under themes of the book is uh, it's like eat eat plants no eat eat something mostly plants is kind of the it's or like is eat. It Michael Pollan right my yeah there you go I say Jamie Jamie Oliver, Jamie Oliver okay. does cookbooks Michael Pollan okay it's it, it, it it's Michael Pollan's book
1: he also did one on psychedelics have you heard about that book that he no wrote?
0: but yeah mushrooms let's go. Um,
1: well, the, the, I've never done much by the way, but c- psilocybin would. is the, the scientific term is what psilocybin. Okay. Yeah. No. So he does a book on that. And right, right. I think his quote that you're, that you're talking about is, um, started out, started eat, again, eat,
0: eat something, mostly plants. Like when right. you're hungry, it's like basically eat like,
1: often mostly plants. So yeah. This is like simple, yeah. yeah. It's and like, yeah. Yeah. It's like the first sentence of his book. Yeah. Right? It's like,
0: it's real easy to be healthy. If you just do these three things, I, I shared this with, with my mom uh, yesterday. When you go grocery shopping, you shop the outside perimeter of, of the grocery store. Because why? That's where the fresh food is. Whether it's meats, fruits, starches, vegetables, they're all on the outer perimeter. And I don't know about you, but like, have you ever read the ingredients of an apple? Have you ever looked at the ingredients of spinach? I have not. Yeah. Because they're not on there, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of the point of his book, just like a chicken breast, just like a filet of fish, not the filet of fish. That's at McDonald's, and that's pumped full of chemicals and preservatives. But if you look, go to the, the, the seafood section, so like that's his book. And it's like, yeah, when you're hungry, you eat. You just eat that stuff. You eat natural food. So like that was rule one. Rule two was um, if it has more than five ingredients, you don't eat it. If it comes in plastic packaging you don't eat it if you can't pronounce it you sure as hell don't eat it meaning you can't pronounce the ingredients but like this whole calorie counting and it's like it's it's for the birds like it's uh, this whole gluten free this and fat free that is like you're supposed to have fat in your diet you know it's um, but I don't know how we got on the topic of first I said Jamie Oliver Jamie Oliver he actually does really good cookbooks that teach you how to make meals that are that are basically Michael Pollan approved and I think that's how I got the two confused. Um, okay, we're going to rapid fire. Rapid fire with an attorney. All right? So imagine you and I are on this hunting trip. We're just two guys, two friends hanging out.
1: Well, first off, oh. which I should probably have given at the beginning, like disclaimer, disclaimer that anything I give is not legal advice. It's just general, not like general information. So so whatever I say here, please yes. also fact no, check the... That fact check me as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, but no, that, that is a great disclaimer. Yeah. Um, and like anything I ever say has to be triple fact check because, you know, I would pull something out of my butt. Mm-hmm. Um, no, we, we talked about this. People, people who tune in are going to want to know, um, hey, Joe, I got pulled over. Do I blow or do I don't blow? Ooh.
1: Ooh, that's great. Because actually, that's a good that's a good question. Because that's a plug. Because we also, I'd say, about half of our practice is criminal offense. Because my law partner was a prosecutor. Oh, is
0: DUI a criminal? I thought it was just like a. No, that's criminal. That's criminal. For sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I said that jokingly, guys. By the way, yes. So, well, and and honestly, yes, I do. But in the world of Uber and Lyft, the fact that you got a DUI, we should almost like uh, brand you with like a scarlet AA, because like, what, come on. But anyhow. Um, and and
1: and i'm probably gonna we'll see if i do this correctly when parker listens to this but basically when you when you get a florida license you're giving them permission to breathalyze you okay so if you decline to to take a breathalyzer test when you're pulled over then you have an automatic suspension on on your license okay so then i believe it's a year Mm -hmm. okay now and i might be getting that wrong one six months one's a year now, let's say that you blew and you blew above above, above, above a 0.08. Yep. Then you're going to have a suspension as well, right? I think of six months. Okay. I might be, I might yep. be mixing up the, the, the suspension. So if you've been having a few drinks and you believe that it's going to be above 0.08 and you do blow, then I'll tell you one thing. You come to our office. We have very few options for yeah. you, right? We're going to have to really dig deep to come up with an idea of, like, what happened with the machine. And, I mean, it, we, we'll figure out defenses. And, again, yeah, it, this is all a uh, Yeah, this, disclaimer. this is a disclaimer. And something so, that,
0: that I learned from you right. off, off off record, we are talking last week, that, like, if you ever do get a DUI, you want to go to an attorney who is actually specializes mm-hmm. in this because there's actual, like, continuing education courses Mm-hmm. That, that you were saying, like, look, I, I, like you haven't done them, so your partner has. Right. So your partner would be the one who took that case because you want someone with his background that's gone through those extra courses in order to really understand how to properly litigate DUI defense. Yeah,
1: yeah. and he's gone to these seminars where you're with a breathalyzer and you you have shots and you're taking them to, and then testing to see. How do so I you get that job? They like the, one that on the train. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. yeah they like put me in a hotel right. room and and I right. right, sit there and take shots and I blow. That'd be fun.
1: But from an evidentiary standpoint, right? You can imagine if you were a defense attorney, you would want a situation where somebody who is on camera maybe looks a little bit mm-hmm. was wobbly, but didn't necessarily speak even, or and, and just didn't blow, because then there's no yeah drawn evidence of or not drawn, but of, of the. Yeah, it becomes saying. more of a of a he said she yes. said right
0: um, judgment call versus uh the machine said X yeah. and the machine's only wrong this much time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay, good so, to so know. That's
1: why like I know and, it's and rapid fire, but yeah. it's it's yeah. you're asking a I don't know if this is the best thing for a lawyer because we give long answers. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: Well, and honestly, I was looking for you just to say, hey, look, um, full disclosure, you shouldn't let me answer that. You should reach out yes. to someone who that's is the better a better answer. Yep. Yeah, Reach and out it,
1: to our firm and, and part, get a consultation with my, my law partner. Yeah. That. I mean, that, it, it, yeah. it's
0: good. To, I didn't know that. Like, I just thought, oh, yeah, I'd, you know, i I'd, I'd call, call my attorney. Um, which, speaking of call my attorney, this is part of the rapid fire. At what point in your life should you have an attorney? Like, you, I hear people say, oh, well, my attorney, I'm going to call my attorney. And, I, and I, I don't know anyone who has, like, well, an it, attorney. Do you,
1: do you have one? Do you just, do you no. have a, okay.
0: No, I, I don't have an attorney.
1: Have you ever used one before?
0: Uh, I've had I've had a, um, a a dispute with an employer uh, over a decade ago.
1: Let's, let's get and, into it. And,
0: and and I had to defend myself. Um, so that forced me to hire an attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, like I've never had to sit down and thank God and do criminal defense or. Um, divorce situation or foreclosure situation or bankruptcy situation. You know, I've definitely referred attorneys who specialize in bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's attorneys who specialize in in, in uh, accounting or tax, uh, uh, I guess it would be audits or disputes. Mm-hmm. But no, like at what point does someone like need an attorney?
1: The answer is you might not ever need one in your life, frankly, but they're good to have, like, like you were saying on our call last week, um, knowing a mortgage broker. By the way, is there a difference between mortgage broker yeah, and banker? Yeah, I'll get my okay. panties in a wide if you so, call me a mortgage broker. Okay. Um,
0: mortgage banker, mortgage loan, banker. Officer. If loan you say, officer. If you say loan officer, that that covers the entire industry, right. whether you're a broker or a banker. You're an inside, outside, call center. Or it, okay. if you just say loan officer, it's like the most PC term. So, so
1: we'll use loan officer. Just like any nowadays, I mean, it's funny you use the word Rolodex, which I never actually seen one, but I know that's like we've uh, it's a legacy of this terminology. The movie, the right, movie Wall all Street, of, uh, right. they they have them in oh, the movie. Oh, great yeah. movie! Yeah, great movie. Yeah. Alec Baldwin. A B C, always be, <laughs> always closing. be closing. And um, it's great to have them because they're gonna they're gonna be very knowledgeable in, in your network. Um, and uh, obviously, I mean, do you want to? have to pay an hourly, just a uh, rate to an attorney just for a random opinion. But you you might want them as friends, right? So, I, so I, but I'm biased, you know, I have a lot there of friends, I like right? that, no, so, yeah, yeah. But there's a famous quote that anyone that represents themselves has a fool for a client, right? So yeah. even if I'm in a situation, and I've, had, I, I've represented other lawyers in, in situations, in landlord and tenant, actually, recently, where, they, you know, they don't know that area. And so you end up in... You want to. We live in a very hyper specialized, mm-hmm. complex society, right? I mean, if you just look around, it it, can, it blows your mind, right? I mean, i have got my iPhone here and with attached to my watch, and we've got these all these gadgets. Y- who are you gonna call? Now I can't put it away.
0: Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs>
1: who, you know, who are you gonna call if this breaks? You're gonna call an IT person, right? Yeah. Or if you're pl- if you if you have a plumbing issue, you're gonna call a plumber, right? So same idea. Like if you have an issue or you're ever yeah, you're ever pulled over. Yeah, you should be able to call. We have a twenty four hour service that calls after hours, and then will forward to us on our. So, phones. so there you go. That's right. So on criminal matters. Um, oh. And, and and I know enough to be dangerous as well, and I've I've done probably about a quarter of our criminal cases, but the more serious ones. Yeah, Parker does those.
0: So that that's yeah. that's probably a great takeaway. Is right. that you know, Maybe we don't need a an attorney on staff because we're not billionaires. we mm-hmm. you know we don't need an attorney on retainer, but. Why don't we have an attorney we either golf with, boat with, fish with, hunt with, uh, coach their their uh, son or daughter in whatever sport that th- that my son or daughter plays? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine going out like for like your travel lacrosse team and I'm like, oh, you know, I really need that position, but your dad or mom's not an attorney, so I'm searching for someone who is. Maybe not to that extreme, but like, let's all make friends with an attorney. Mm-hmm. Let's all go find someone who practices law for a living. And make sure we have friends, we're friends with them because I, I believe in what you just said, which is when you need an expert, you call an expert. Mm-hmm. I would much rather work overtime doing what I do well so I can pay for and hire someone to do what they do well. Mm-hmm. Very rarely have I seen it where do it yourself has turned out better. I haven't seen do it yourself uh, uh, real estate turn out well, do it yourself mortgage, do it yourself law. Yeah. Do, do people get lucky? Sure. Right. But- in the big scheme of things, no. The, the, the favor is always going to slant towards the pro. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, because DUI is a big one. Bankruptcy is a big one. Um, divorce mm-hmm. is, is a huge one. I mean, mm-hmm. almost 50% of every marriage ends in divorce. At what point when you get married should you start planning on your divorce? That's probably a whole separate topic, right? Because you and I talk about this offline kind of joking, but like would you get into a car – if you knew that there's a 50% chance no, that you were jo- going to get into it. I wasn't I was not. Yeah. No, but no, that, that, that was a question you posed to me. Yeah. But, but people do. People right. get into a car every single day knowing that there's a chance, a small one, mm-hmm. that they're going to get into an accident. And for the most part, they're insured. Now, they're insured in Florida because the Florida statute mandates that you have car insurance if you're going to own a car and drive it. But yet we get married every day, not individually, but people get married every single day, usually on Fridays and Saturdays but little do they plan for divorce even though statistically half of those marriages are going to end in in divorce at what point do i need to get an attorney involved in my marriage
1: great question well i'll say one of the more beautiful things that i see when i go in the courthouse now i I, honestly i don't remember the last time i've been because everything's online and through zoom and various online measures but you always see a couple dressed up you know, uh, and the bride is in a dress, and they're signing their paperwork, right? So it is a beautiful thing. And do you yell, thing.
0: "Sucker"? No. Do you no. go give your business I, card? like, I "Hey." Was, if I was a sleazy lawyer, I would, <laughs> I would give them my card, right? Just
1: slip it into the into the one of their um. And full disclosure, but,
0: marriage is a beautiful thing. It's a lot yeah, of freaking work, yeah. but it's a beautiful thing. Yeah,
1: I've been I've been the best man twice, and I, you know, I, I mean, hey, it's the events are fun, yeah. absolutely, and there's fewer things that Americans love more than getting married getting married and super you, bowl they love super bowl but you know <laughs> some people probably get married during super bowl i don't know that might be a that's thing. blasphemous <laughs> <laughs> i mean <laughs> could <Can> you imagine <laughs> oh this, yeah definitely not in uh certain states right in certain regions but um yeah that wouldn't be a thing yeah, yeah. you're talking to someone that doesn't really follow football too much yeah i know um so what i was going to say though is actually if you um are interested somebody that's I highly recommend you check out. Oh, now I'm drawing a blank on her name. Well, how she's about this? an author uh, that talks, and she's a therapist that talks about these issues, right? Wait, Which I recommend to clients, because we, we do we do divorce work as well.
0: So, oh, Okay. Yeah. Good to know for the audience listening yeah. in, especially those in the greater Central Florida area. Um, last question. Where should someone go to find an attorney? Okay. Right? Because most of us, we don't have a go-to. Like, right. I don't have a go-to attorney. Maybe I do I, now, but... Okay. Where where do I go? My neighbor? So
1: so number one is, okay, like many professions, it's, you want to find someone that, a referral is always very, very timely, right? Mm -hmm. It's great to have somebody reference you. And a lot of times you'll call a lawyer, your local lawyer that you do know, let's say you do know one of your family, they're going to reference you to somebody that does that practice area. I do it all the time. People call me, say, look, yeah, bankruptcy, I just... You know, I, I know enough to be dangerous, but you don't want me handling your bankruptcy. Yeah. And, I'll, and I'll just, I, I, could I be proficient in it? And can I legally take your case? Yeah. Yes. But would I? Not necessarily. Now, if you don't know any lawyers, right, which that happens, um, you should go to your local bar association. So just go to, for example, Seminole Bar Association, Orange County Bar Association, or start at the Florida Bar. Okay. Or whatever state you're in, the Arizona Bar and you, they have hotlines. You call those, and you say, hey, I'm looking for a lawyer that does X, Y, and Z. And there are lawyers that sign up for those lists. And to get on those lists is not that easy. I mean, it's not the hardest thing, but that means you're starting in a spot that they've been vetted by the bar as far as being on these lists. Is
0: is every practicing attorney a member of the bar?
1: Every l- legally practicing attorney. Okay. Right, anyone that's – because there is the unauthorized practice of law. So some people yeah. – Still happens. Somehow, I don't know. There are people that try to practice and don't. I'm going to be in
0: Nashville in a couple of weeks. And up there, they have the Honky Tonk Bar yeah. Association. A little bit before your time, that was um, oh, Garth was that? Brooks. Oh, okay. Had a song called the Honky Tonk Bar Association. So, anytime I, someone talks yeah. about the Bar Association, Went right over my head. And, 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 and you were like, I just should just chucked it in Yeah, just chuck a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Joe, thank you so yeah. much for your time. Again, if you want to get a hold of Joe Sternberg, Joe, how does someone reach you because they need legal help?
1: Definitely. If, or they if, want to do hot local, yoga. If you're local, call us at 407 495. 1893 or go to our website which will be in the in the
0: Well, why don't you give it long. out though? Just, it's
1: landersandsternberg.com. It? So it's very Landers long. yeah
0: and sternberg.com com. it's B E R G. Put
1: that in the Okay.
0: Perfect. Hey, yeah. I'm Dio, he's Joe. Thank you for tuning in. This is all the time we have for this episode. If you have any questions, yeah, drop them in the comment bar, email me, email Joe Um, I'll put you in contact with Joe and he will do his best to answer your questions uh, and then more importantly, refer you to a subject matter expert if it's something that he doesn't handle. But Joe, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to get in here on a Monday. Um, And uh, yeah, find us on Instagram, the Loan Officer Podcast, Facebook, the Loan Officer Podcast. If you're tuning in via YouTube, please know that you can check us out on Spotify, on Apple, iTunes, just about anywhere you can listen two podcasts were there and if you're listening to us please know you can watch us on youtube we'd love to see you see us share us like us comment give us some feedback and more importantly tune into next episode that's all the time we have for this episode Peace, joe on Dio and peace